You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 230. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and today is an extra special episode because we are talking about mental health, specifically depression. Now on October 10th, it is World Mental Health Day, and since that's coming up at the time of this recording, I thought it was appropriate if we had a candid, real, raw conversation about being an entrepreneur while dealing with depression. Now, I know not all of my listeners deal with something like this. However, I do think at one time or another along your entrepreneurial journey, it's going to show up for you. And for some of you, it shows up every single day. I have dealt with depression in my lifetime, starting at a very young age, and it moved its way into the years I was starting this business as well. So I'm very aware of what depression looks like as you're growing a business. And I wanted to talk about it with all of you. Now, this is an awkward conversation. It's not my most favorite topic to talk about, but I think we need to have hard conversations. And that's why I'm here today talking about all of this. Now, there are three goals for this episode. Goal number one is that I wanted to make sure that if you are struggling with depression or anxiety or anything around mental health issues or challenges that you've dealt with, I wanted you to know that you're not alone. And that there are so many of us out there that are dealing with it right alongside you. We may not be talking about it. We may not make it known to everybody, but we are out there. So you, my friend, are not alone. The second goal of this episode is to get the conversation started. So many of us may not be talking about it, but I think we need to change that. I think we need to have those hard conversations, and I'm hoping that you'll learn some tools in this episode to be more vocal about what you're going through as well. And the third reason I wanted to talk about growing a business as an entrepreneur while dealing with depression is that I wanted to remind you that you can still be successful in spite of or in addition to your depression or your mental health challenges that you're going through right now. You can still thrive. And I think that I am an example of that. And I also think that my guest is an example of that. I didn't want to do this episode alone. It felt a little bit too vulnerable. And I also know that I've actually overcome depression in many ways, but I wanted to talk to somebody who's in the thick of it right now as well. And so I thought, well, let's have a few different perspectives. Quite honestly, I just wanted you to be part of a conversation. And to do that, I needed to bring somebody in. And so I have invited my dear friend, Jasmine Starr, to come on the show with me. And I don't want to interview her about her experience with depression. I want to talk to her about it. I want to share my own experiences, and I want you to hear her experiences as well. And I want you to walk away with some tools and resources to help you move forward as you deal with depression and as you grow your business. 
So those are the goals of this episode. And so with that, like I said, I didn't want to do this episode alone because I wanted it to be a conversation. And so I invited my good friend, Jasmine Starr, to come over to my house. We're sitting in my studio right now and to have a conversation about depression. So Jasmine, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I am happy to be here. I know you're happy to be here, but I also know you have some feelings about this episode. Lots of feelings. Yes. All the feelings are <laughs> filled, all of them. We're both a little bit nervous. We actually talked about it before. We should have just started recording right from the get-go, right? Because we were talking about a lot of great things. But here's how this came about. A while ago, Jasmine and I were having a conversation around depression and also anxiety and just a lot of feelings that come up. And we said we should take this offline conversation and put it online. And so not too long ago, I called her and I said, hey, remember that conversation we had? What do you think about putting it on a podcast? So my first question to you, Jasmine, is when I called you and said, let's talk about depression on my podcast, what did you think? What did you feel? What went through your head? Well, you and I both know, and I've said this a thousand times before, whenever you ask me to do something, it's always yes. Like when Amy asks anything, <laughs> I'm like, true. yeah, of course, duh. <laughs> like, why, do, why are we asking? Let's, let's move forward. So and cool. so when she's like, hey, I have a question my, my knee jerk ran, my knee jerk reaction and answer was like, well, yes, of course. And all of a sudden she finished the sentence and I was like, whoa, whoa there. Um, what are we talking about and how is this going to look? And I started feeling a lot of resistance and whenever I feel resistance, the thing that I always have to do is take a step back and ask myself, why am I feeling this way? What are the stories that I'm telling myself? And then make a decision based on Number one, if it will get me closer to my purpose. And number two, if it will help people. And regardless of how I feel about it emotionally, if the answers are both affirmative in that, then I know that I have my answer regardless of how it makes me feel. And then also I had just before that conversation had read a quote by Ali Wiesel. I swore never to be silent whenever and wherever humans endured suffering. We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. And when I read that, it was like I automatically knew that my silence was going to impede progress and that my silence was going to encourage people to wear a mask or to not talk about really difficult things in their lives. And I just felt, well, Amy and I talk about it openly. Why can't we invite other people who might be interested in the conversation to have a healthy, positive open, non-stigmatized conversation about what it means to run a business, to do it with other people, even when the days are hard. Ah, so good. So true. And so this is exactly why I wanted Jasmine on the show. I knew that she'd be really open and honest about this. One thing she said while we were talking about it before I started recording is she said, I have to be 100% open and 100% honest about this topic. And of course, I would expect nothing less of Jasmine, but I love that she like made the declaration. So that's what today is about, an open, honest conversation. So I wanted to kind of start and just share with all of you that I have definitely, definitely struggled with depression throughout most of my college years and then into starting this online business. So a lot of, a lot of it came up in my corporate years and then it really moved its way into the years that I started this business. And for me, what depression has looked like is that there have been mornings that I have not wanted to get out of bed. And 
felt like almost like I couldn't get out of bed, that the, the sadness and the, the black cloud, that's how I've always explained it, has just been lingering over me. And when I would tell my mom, I'd say, mom, I feel, I would confide in her a lot about this. I feel like there is a black cloud over me, but the problem that I really struggle with is there's no reason why it should be there. I would look at my family and my home and my, my son, Cade, and everything about our lives and think everything is so good. I have a beautiful husband, a beautiful life, and I am sad all the time. And so I felt a lot of shame around it, a lot of embarrassment around it. And it really came up a lot in my first few years of starting this business. That's where I felt it most, but it didn't start there. Like I said, it it started mostly in college. I got on meds because of it. So my doctor prescribed medication for my depression and that really helped a lot. But then I thought I shouldn't take medication. So I got off of it. There's a stigma with it. And I know Jasmine's going to talk about her story with that. And I love what she talks about in terms of looking at medication and depression. And so I got off and on of medication for many, many years up until a few years ago. And I told Jasmine that now I don't struggle with it nearly as much. Of course, everybody has depression here and there, depending on what's happening in their life. But I don't have those moments anymore of I can't get out of bed or those moments of everything feels like despair and sadness. And so I've worked on it throughout the years, but I also wanted to talk to somebody that still has to deal with this more often than I do. So I wanted to, I wanted you to hear from a few different people. And so Jasmine, I I want you to talk about your experience with depression. Well, I should probably start by just really reaffirming, affirming, and explaining, clarifying that everybody struggles with depression. However, there is a situational depression. You know, everybody has bad days or a series of bad things that happen. And there's clinical depression. And clinical depression has to do more with the chemistry makeup of one's brain. And I have to clarify, I am not a trained medical professional. I will not be giving any medical advice. All I can do is speak my truth. And if there is a kernel that resonates with you or your journey, that the hope that the reason why I want to stand up is that other people say, I hear her, I identify with that, and it's giving me hope in spite of maybe not having all of the answers. So my, I guess, story, my journey with depression, I feel like I had a really great childhood, really wonderful, amazing, supportive parents who did their absolute best. And for a myriad of unexplainable reasons, or explainable reasons. I kind of struggled my first bout of depression when I was around 25 years old. I was in law school and I think I kept on pushing it aside. Like my mom has brain cancer. I'm in law school. There's a lot of pressure on myself. It's okay to feel this way. And I kept on pushing it off and pushing it off, pushing it off, which I think is a a pattern in a story in my life. I just continued to push through things instead of giving myself the permission to take a step back and really analyze what's going on. But I'm getting to the end. I'm getting to progress. So put a little pin in that notion of taking a step back and saying, what am I feeling and why am I feeling this way? Instead of just saying, well, I'm going to continue pushing forward. So put a pin there. 25 years old. And I realized that I am so sad. I am not sleeping. I'm wildly stressed out. I am working out like a mad woman because when my life is spinning out of control, I control the things I can control. I started controlling excessively what I ate, how much I exercised, how much I studied. 
And I think it manifested in like really a deterioration of my health. Like my hair was falling out. I wasn't sleeping. I didn't feel like I was in like a really good headspace. And so I was at UCLA Law School. And part of being a student is you get access to UCLA Medical Center, which was pretty incredible. I made an appointment. I walked into the doctor's office and I didn't walk in saying I had depression. I don't think I can even like articulate those words. I just kept on saying like, I'm really sad. I'm really, really, really sad. And when I listed all the reasons why I was sad, which is the reasons I just listed, the doctor said, okay, this is indicative of something a little bit more. My first suggestion would be medication. And so prescribed medication, got it filled. And I have a very open relationship with my family. I talked to my dad and I kind of explained like, this is what's going on. And I think in retrospect, which is what he would probably say and admit now was that we both didn't handle the the conversation the way that we should have only because maybe, maybe, and I don't want to put any words in his mouth, but maybe the conversation around depression was a little stigmatized, perhaps. It's not something that we really spoke about specifically like in Latino culture, in first generation American culture coming, we were like really poor. So it was this whole kind of like new navigation of what it meant. And my father and mother both expressed their desires that their daughter wouldn't be on medication and for me to try to do my best coping and understanding that there were certain things that everybody goes through funks and stuff like that. And we ended the conversation there and probably a few months into the medication, I realized that it wasn't having an effect, that I was still really, really sad. And I felt like that gray cloud that Amy describes so apropos, like that's the perfect description. And in addition to me feeling that way, I, I felt cloudy. I felt so much more sleepy. I didn't feel like I was who I was. I felt like I was a different person. And as a result of that, I stopped taking the medication, but that led to like a cycle of beating myself up. Like, come on, like who doesn't medication work for? Like, who are you? Like, really? Like, are you that much of a mess that this medication's not going to work for you? Um, and so again, it just led to another cycle of beating myself up. And when I look back at that situation, I realize in retrospect, years after it's been over a decade since kind of had that first kind of like reckoning with what it meant and what it means is that what I did in that moment was a pattern that I had created for myself starting distinctly when I was 13 years old. And that pattern was to beat myself up. And what I didn't know then, which is what I know now, is the way that we speak to ourselves has the possibility to amplify and or, not and, or diminish emotionally how we feel about something. And so I think that the biggest takeaway years later, giving myself the permission to talk openly about it with my friends and my family was that when we have the ability to come out and ask for help, when we have the ability to admit we don't have the answers and we have the ability to say, I feel very alone, it becomes a very different conversation. And I think that's why I really knew that I had to like step up and uh, talk openly about it. Although the resistance did come, the resist, I told Amy, I was like, I feel all these emotions. And I'm like, on the way here, 
I had a conversation with my husband and my business partner, JD, and he noticed that when I left the house, I just wasn't myself. I woke up this morning and I did all my, I, I love patterns now. Patterns have become a game changer for me. Like I do the same thing every morning. I pray, I meditate. I take a hot bath. Basically I'm 87 years old. She, I'm she like, takes a lot of hot baths. I, I do. At like I do. Four in the morning. I do. I know. I, I send Amy text messages like <laughs> early in the morning. I'm in the bath. Got this idea. Um, so anyway, he, I did all the things to prepare me for what I felt could be a lot of resistance around this conversation. And on the five freeway driving up here, he said, let's take a step back. And that's been one of the first things. So before we actually get into what, how I'm working through this, mm-hmm. the thing I wanted to lead with was I did not want to give anybody the opportunity to label me as, oh, she's like the depressed entrepreneur. And I felt like if I came out and admitted that, that that would become a title. And I have to remember that I write my own story, that even people can call me anything. They call me X, they call me Y, they call me depressed, they call me happy. I get to define that story. And I want to encourage other people to say that there could be labels, but there's no stigma around it because what we identify and how we want our labels to be, are we are the ones to determine what that actually is and and how we manifest it out. Oh, so good. It's so funny that when we are thinking about talking about a topic that is sensitive to us, we come up with all these stories because when my team said, why don't we talk about mental health? I knew that I don't experience depression like I used to. So then I thought, well, who am I to talk about it? My audience will think that I don't know enough about it or I don't have a strong enough story. But then I realized, especially after talking to Jasmine, that everyone has their own story and it shows up in so many different ways. And here's the thing that also comes with that. When I did have depression on a daily basis, there was so much shame and embarrassment around it. And so I talked to Jasmine about that and I said, one of the reasons why this episode makes me nervous is because I remember all that shame. I don't want to bring it all up again. The shame I felt of feeling depressed. And it's really hard to talk to people about it if they've never experienced before. So experienced the the depression before. So a lot of the times, many people do not talk about it or they sweep it under the rug or they keep it a secret. And remember when I talked about the goals of this episode, Jasmine and I wanted it to become part of a conversation for you and whoever you need to have that conversation with. We want you to start talking about it if it's something that you struggle with, because Jasmine, would you agree that once you start talking about it, it starts to slowly take that stigma off of it? Oh, absolutely. A thousand percent. And one thing I don't think I mentioned to you is I'm actually super excited that you are having the conversation because what you're saying, like, who am I? Who am I? Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, who are you not? How amazing that you can look back and say, I no longer struggle with that. I think that that in and of itself is so hopeful. So I think it's really great to offer different perspectives, people who have gone through it Mm -hmm. successfully, people who are working their way through it, and then just actually opening the doors, having a conversation. So very true. So One thing I wanted to talk about a lot was, or like really get into, is how we got here. So both of us have wildly successful businesses. You would agree, right? Come on. Well, it's not quarterfield size, but yeah, it's climbing on up there. Yeah, I mean. No, we definitely both have successful businesses. thank you God. And we both have amazing marriages. That's one thing that we really bond over is that we have amazing husbands who support us. We're very lucky. We married that. out of our league. We married we out of our we league. Did. I mean, let's be we serious. Did. So we have these great businesses. We have these great lives. And we are at different places. And this is where I want to show each of our own sides. 
I have been able to move past the depression. Again, when I talked to Jasmine about this, she pointed out, because I said, well, it's not totally gone. It comes up when I'm struggling with stuff. She's like, yeah, that is, what you call it? Situational. Situational. Mm -hmm. And, but I don't have clinical. That would be the other one, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't have clinical depression. But anyway, my point is that I've been able to move past it. And, and I'm, never really took the time to realize I had until I really started to dive in, into this topic for this episode. And Jasmine, I asked her, and, and when I said to you, Jasmine, do you feel that it looks different now than it did back mm-hmm. then? What did you mm-hmm. say? I said, it does. It absolutely does. In what way? And it looks different in that when I made, when I became aware that I needed help, and when I became aware that there was people who wanted me to become who I was destined to be. And the minute I gave myself the permission to ask for help and have very open conversations. And that for me, I kind of feel like I've, it's like this, the metamorphosis probably happened about three, two and a half to three years ago. And that's to me when I started making like such cognitive decisions about all of those things I had just mentioned and who I am today. And so I'm a nerd. Like I already said, I'm 87 years old. Mm -hmm. So after my bath, I get out in a journal and not like long, it's just a few sentences. And it's a 365 day journal. And I can go back to days and just see my emotional maturity, my progress, where I needed help, like the pitfalls. I noticed cycles in my emotions and why I was feeling a certain way. That right there has been a game changer. Okay. So I'm so glad you brought all of that up because I wanted to talk about how we got here and, and give them specific specifics of our lives and what we've done. And so uh, I'll go first in the sense that number one, and I know some of this is going to overlap Jasmine, but I still want her to tell her story. Number one is I definitely went to therapy and I've done a lot of different type of therapy. So although the depression hasn't been around for a few years now, I'm still very aware of my anxiety and when things come up for me. And so just not too long ago, I don't know, maybe a year ago, I went to EMDR training and this was amazing. And you can look it up to learn more about it. I'll link to some details about this training, but it was training that I went through or therapy, I should say therapy. I went through to deal with some childhood issues that just kept coming up for me when things got hard, these issues from childhood would come up and rear their ugly heads. And I think, why are you here? Like, I thought I I got past this, but I hadn't. And EMDR therapy literally helped me immensely move past some childhood issues and trauma that I had dealt with. And so I recently did that. But back in the day, I went through a lot of therapy. I've had numerous therapists that have helped me deal with the depression. And I think to me, that was the number one thing that helped more than anything else. And I'm going to give you guys some resources at the end of where you could find a really good therapist, even if you're on a tight budget. So we're going to share that at the end. The other thing that I did is that I made sure that I was always fueling my brain with resources and uh, resourceful, valuable information that would help me see things in a different light. And so, of course, I work for Tony Robbins. And yes, I had depression while I was there. Doesn't mean just because you learn from Tony Robbins doesn't mean that it's not going to be there. But I will say that much of what I learned from Tony, I was able to use and start moving past the depression. So a lot of what Tony teaches helped me move through the depression. And also, I listen to podcasts. I read books. I am always into self-help and making my mind stronger in terms of what I think, how I feel. 
Also, just recently, you all know that I've been working with a weight loss coach. I've talked about this on my Insta stories. And working with my weight loss coach, we don't even talk about food and we don't get into what the diet looks like. We talk about how my thoughts turn into feelings and how my feelings turns into actions. And so with that, if I change my thoughts, I change my feelings and I change my actions. So literally once a week, I meet with a coach where we are drilling down on what kind of thoughts am I having and what am I making them mean? So I work on myself every single day, even after the depression I feel has kind of taken a backseat in my life. So constantly fueling my mind, going to therapy. And here's my last one. And that is that the relationships in my life have changed everything. So marrying Hobie, I will say that that definitely made a huge impact on the depression. Jasmine's smiling. I am. Hobie's great. He's great. And he was just somebody in my life that was able to not judge the depression, not put a label on it, not make it mean something that it didn't mean. He just sat with it with me and he listened when he needed to. And then he offered advice when I wanted it. And to have that kind of support system means everything when you are feeling depressed and you can't get out of bed in the morning. And so I know that some of you are surrounded by people that are not helping you with the depression, that they don't know what to do or what to say, but your support system means everything. And so I've gotten people out of my life because of it. And I've invited new people into my life. And I know this is cheesy, Jasmine, but you are one of those people in my life that if I called you and said, that black cloud is back and and here's why you would sit there for hours with me and talk to me about that. So I would sit there for hours and then I would drive I would drive <laughs> down. Would. I would drive you down would. here. Like, We're gonna sit here. It's so true. We're gonna do a little rain dance. Yeah. We're gonna make that cloud go away. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. So you need the friends who will do the rain dance with you to make the clouds go away. I mean, how perfect is that? It is true. And so those are some of the tools that I used. I wanted to share them with you because I told Jasmine, I want to talk about how we got to a better place. We're not perfect. It's not totally gone, but we are both in better places than we were with the depression. So I wanted to talk about how we got there. So I want you to- I actually love that you brought that up because I feel like it's just encouragement for what I'm currently working through. So all of those four main points that you articulated are things that I am still doing. So in light of full disclosure, I have come a very long way and I look forward to the day that I can be just like Amy and say, it has been a thing that I have worked through and it is a thing of my past. I am not quite there yet. I do struggle with it. I have come a long, long, long way. Uh, first steps, and this, and I just want to be make sure that I'm very open and super respectful. I have to understand that my parents are immigrants. America is different. How we navigate conversations is different. And so I don't think that they ever stigmatized the idea of speaking to a therapist, but they made it very, very upper class. And so for people who aren't from California, California is very segmented and it's segmented by county. And so my parents, LA through and through, like, go Dodgers. That's my dad. Okay. <laughs> so um, when I told my parents, go Dodgers. <laughs> um, um, okay. So when I told my dad that I really wanted, that I was going to start seeing a therapist, and he says, holds up his pinky finger. Oi, Orange County, huh? You're so Orange County. And it was a joke. It, or as my dad says, Unyok. Okay. So it was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. But I think that it was a difficult conversation to have. Like, what does it mean? Because my whole childhood, we had 
uh, groceries donated on the porch and we rode the bus to church. And so this idea of paying somebody to hear you talk was as foreign as like literally a flying pig. And so I, I felt like what I realized and I had to make a hard decision was that I cannot expect anybody in my life to accept the responsibility to walk me through a very difficult path. So if you feel like you don't have that person, that's okay. Your next objective would be to take the responsibility to find people in your life. Now, I will say that my husband is my best friend and my just foundation, and he is so good and he is so kind and he listens. However, I also don't think that my husband should be a therapist. That's a great point. And if you have the, if you have the luxury, I think that's phenomenal. But I also do think that I really wanted to have like a clear distinction and I'm just like type A and very pigheaded. I'm like, well, do you have a degree? No, you don't. Like, <laughs> um, So that was the first step. So hearing that you uh, found a great therapist yeah. makes a big difference. And there was a really, really, really dark time in my life. And that was around uh, 2015 where I knew that I had nowhere to go. Like I was just rock bottom. And I said, I have nobody to talk to. I am just... I'm strung out. Like my heart, like my, my soul feels broken. And so the minute I found uh, a therapist, initially I didn't think he was all that great, but I tell myself, and I did this is what I tell friends, people who are looking for therapists is to be fair to yourself and to be fair to them. And that would give them at least three opportunities. Love that. Cause I feel like every therapist I've ever been to, I did not love them right out of the bat. Well, of yeah, course, right it's like, you're literally bat. going on a blind date. Right. And you know, therapist websites are terrible. Like <laughs> they basically need to go through one of our trainings to be like, guys, you got to brand yourself a little I have better. a student that he helps therapists with websites because they're so bad. God bless so, him. Yes. Like they're terrible. Like they, they literally say nothing. So as you kind of go in, it's like literally a blind date. And so I didn't really like vibe with him all that much in the first time, but I said, Hey, my rule of three, the second time he came around and the third time was when he's just started kind of just like itemizing, asking questions after the notes that he takes. He's like, I'm seeing a pattern in the stories that you're telling the way that you're talking. And I was like, huh? Okay, let's go for meeting number four. And then I had stayed with him for about three years. And throughout that time uh, when I was in a really, really bad place that I felt that as a business expense, I needed to get help. I couldn't keep running at that pace. And so I met with him once a week for about six months. Great. And then um, from there, started meeting every other week, every three weeks, once a month. And that was like the first step. And then I just started taking the time in my life and my business to start doing research. Like I needed to understand. So I, I once heard this analogy, like when you break a bone, you get an x-ray yeah. and they find out what's wrong with your bone. And if you have a tumor, they, they have an MRI or a scan and they understand it. But if you go into your doctor and you say, I'm, I'm sad. sad, like something's wrong with, in my head, what is done with that? Right. And I started doing research and I came across a doctor here actually in San Diego, Dr. Amen. And he wrote a book, and I think it's like Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. I uh, love him. Oh, you know him? I thought it was Amen. Well, here's the thing. If you're religious, it's Amen. Because okay. to me, he's like, Amen. <laughs> yes, this man, Amen. And then uh, other people who are like, you know, agnostic, it's yeah. Amen. Um, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't actually don't know the exact pronunciation. Right? Yes. Right? Yes. Kind of just like so brilliant. So his okay. book was like, his book was scientific proof after years and years and years of studying the brain. It's like the thoughts we have impact our brain. They literally have a physical manifestation. If you think negative thoughts, your brain reacts to the negative thoughts and gives out physical manifestations of your thoughts. It is no longer speculative. It is just the truth. And so he had said, 
that every morning he starts the day and he says, today's going to be a great day. And our brains are hardwired to listen. So we have to make, create a distinction. The mind and the brain are two different things. Wait, see, this is, you lost me. What do you mean? So the mind is in control. Yeah. And the brain is an organ. Okay. So when you understand your mind, you can control your organ. So when you say, your mind says, I'm going to have a great day. Your brain then says, yes, sir. Right away, captain, we're going to make that happen. We, it's, it. it's hardwired to listen. So if we have control of our mind, and this is not like a feel good, everything's going to be happy, hunky dory. No, this is literally the very first step that you can do. I also heard that when Einstein woke up, he would say, thank you a hundred times before he got out of bed. Stop. No. That is so good. That actually makes me emotional for because, some reason. Because thank it, you. And all you do in every morning, I put my hand to my heart and I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. That is I know. Good. It's just because when you wake up and you think you just see the gratitude and gosh, dang it. There are some really hard days, but when you say, oh, I have a roof over my head. Yeah. Oh, I have something in my refrigerator. I have gas in my car. We are literally the 1%. When we say those three things, we are the 1% of the world. And I think it, even on the dark days, you realize that we are just so, so, so lucky to be where we are. And if we could find a glimmer of that silver lining, mm -hmm. we're already taking um, a step forward. So real quick, am I just making this like no, the, this is, so is this just happy hour with Jasmine? Well, like basically with like that? you and I and what? LaCroix, like, guys, I mean, we're getting drunk on sparkling water, y'all. I forgot to tell you, she's also in a bathing suit. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Are we going there? Are we going there? Are you not? Oh, do not come at me. I am Puerto Rican. I will throw you under a big yellow bus in 2.5 seconds flat. I am. I actually am in a bathing suit. Okay. It's California. Get over it. No, she walks up to my house and she says, listen, I'm in a bathing suit right now. No, don't you, judge me. I said, probably, don't judge me. I'm probably picturing like you standing at my house in a bikini and that's actually not it. Okay. I haven't been in a bikini since yeah. I was three years old. Okay. okay. So we need to get really? that right. Oh girl. Oh. I, I hail from the school of one pieces. <laughs> well, don't so get it do twisted. I. Don't get it twisted. But so she comes in jeans with a bathing suit and a little cover up, but she's going to a pool party. Of course she is. She's fancy like that. Fancy. So really? She... It's actually a beach party for a 12 year old at Bolsa Chica. <laughs> fancy is not that. I will girl, get it right. Come at me and I will come. I'm oh, at you. I forgot I was a 12 year old. So yeah, she comes to my house in a bathing suit, which I am cracking up, but this is, this is happy hour, which is so appropriate when we're talking about depression. Yeah. So yes, I do love this, but I love all these tools. I wanted this to be a conversation about like, what did we do? We, I love to follow people that are just a little bit or a lot ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Like they've kind of figured something out mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff we have not figured out. But with mm. this, I feel like we've worked really hard on making ourselves better and healing ourselves mm. around the depression. So I thought we have to talk about what we've done. Absolutely. So you talked about the therapy, but there's other stuff. Like when we were chatting in my office, you talked about the mastermind we're in. And oh. like what that's done for oh, you. Oh, absolutely. And I think that people listening could say, well, I don't have a supportive family or I don't have a supportive spouse or I don't have supportive children. And that could be true. And let's back up one tiny second. Dr. Amen, since we're, <laughs> since we're being religious, Dr. Amen has a series of questions and I have applied them. And I think it has had the most profound change in my perspective. This in addition to other few things, but if anybody's listening and be like, I'm tired of hearing these girls talk, I want something practical. Let's get into the practicality okay. before we actually talk about the decisions we made as a result of the practicality. Great. So when you are having a negative or overwhelming thought, first things first, write it down. Ooh, okay. There's something about writing the I act agree. of stopping 
and writing it down. It's as if it's like um, an exorcism. It comes out of you and then you see it. It forces you to look at it. And Dr. Amy is very specific about that. So you write it down. Okay. So you write it down and then you ask yourself. So let's use you as an example. Okay. So if you were to write something down, you were to get up out of it, what would be one thing that you're struggling with? Okay. Since so, we're being 100. We're being yes, 100. We're being 100. So I would say that there's a lot. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of one if I want to do personal or business. If I did business, I'd say I can't get it all done fast enough. And if I don't, I'm going to be irrelevant. Okay. That's what you write on your paper. Okay. And then the second question is, is this true? Oh, I love that question. And instantly I know it is not true. Now there could be people listening and saying, well, it could be. True. Yeah. Cause there's sometimes okay. I have deep thought, dark thoughts that feel very true, such as my body will not release this weight. So if we got personal, we talked about okay. my weight loss. There's days I get on the scale and it hasn't moved for days and days or a week. And I think my body wants to be fat. Like it will, mm. it will not, I cannot lose weight. And that feels true some days for me. Okay. If we were looking at both of those situations, okay. I don't move fast enough. I'm going to be irrelevant. Yeah. I am destined to remain this weight. Yes. And if we were to ask ourselves, is this true? And Mm -hmm. even if you responded, maybe, then the third question you have to ask yourself is, am I a hundred percent certain of my response? Oh my gosh. So right away, right away, right away. It's no, because we are not fortune tellers. We don't know with certainty if we are destined to be irrelevant or we're destined to be overweight. We don't know that. Right. And then once we answer that, then we know how does it make me feel? How does, let's just focus on business right now. Okay. How does being irrelevant feel to you? It makes me feel small. It makes me feel scared. It makes me feel like I'm not enough. I'm less than, or I'm not good enough. And once you, and this is all written. And once you see that, do you think that those feelings will keep you from the purpose you have been sent here on the world? Yes. And yes. Last question. What would feeling the opposite of this. Like, what if you were to look at that, say, I'm going to be irrelevant. I'm not moving fast enough. And you feel all these negative emotions. What if you were to say, I am moving at the right pace. Mm -hmm. I will always be relevant for a group of people. It would make me feel grounded and secure and confident and excited to work on the projects I'm working on. Oh, these questions are good. We will certainly be listing them in the show notes. And okay. So now this is something that I learned from our mastermind organizer, mentor, unicorn, James. We are not our thoughts. He reminds me of that all the time, that the things that we think are not us. They're just our thoughts. So if we were to look at a piece of paper based on this, like walking through from Dr. Amen, we can choose to feel irrelevant and lost and like things are passing, or we could choose to feel grounded and hopeful and secure. The choice is ours. It takes just as much energy to feel fearful as it does to say, I choose faith instead of anxiety in this moment. Okay. This is exactly what I work on every single week with my weight loss coach. And I think this is what has moved me. So I love that we both are on the same page. I didn't even know that you were diving into questions like that, but I just realized this is exactly why I've been feeling so good lately is because I examine that like every day, every day. Yeah. And 
what happens is people are like, I don't have time. Like I'm in the carpool line. I'm at the grocery store. I have two jobs. I have a side hustle. When am I just going to walk around with a diary and like writing my issues down seems like a luxury. Listen, boo boo, <laughs> you do not take care of yourself. There are a line of people who need you. So if you're in that carpool line, you need to pull on over and you say, baby, you're going to wait 30 seconds because mom's just got to do this real quick. If you're at the grocery line, you bring out your phone, you write it all down. And then you ask yourself in this moment, I choose to feel what? That has been the most profound difference in how I look at everything. Now, do I think that I have the capacity to move through depression as a result of this process? No. Do I believe with all of my heart that I have the capacity to change and expedite the process as a result of this? Hell yes. Hell yes is right. I want to point out, you just reminded me of this. When we were talking about it earlier, you brought up Brene Brown's Gold-plated grit, baby Gold-plated grit. Now, first of all, with the gold-plated grit, it first came up for me when I called you to tell you I wanted to do an episode about my weight, but I was too scared to do so. And I I was a little bit mean to you. You were. You're like, "Uh, you're doing it, and you're telling a story about how you ate a lot of cupcakes that were your son's for his birthday. That was probably the hardest part of the episode. I pushed you in love. You do push me in love. So with that, though, I told Jasmine, I said, I don't want to do this episode about my weight. And for those of you who haven't heard it, it was a while ago. I can link to it in the show notes. But I didn't want to do it because... At the time, I hadn't started losing weight. I wasn't on a weight loss journey. I didn't have any tools to help me at the time. So I had nothing to give in that moment except the truth that I don't like doing video because I am overweight and that is embarrassing to me. That's all I had to give in that episode. And you said, that's enough. And you brought up this gold-plated grit. So first of all, will you tell people what that means? Because I don't do a good job explaining it. But second, it came up when I asked you to talk about some of this. So Brene Brown, she yeah. is like basically our best friend. She yes, doesn't know it yet. We love her. We just, here's the thing. I want to invite her to your house, not mine. Oh. Your house is oh. like way more show ready. Let's begin. Like I was like, Brene, welcome to my, my house. <laughs> welcome to, come into my closet. I, I love her and I love her voice. She it's has an gritty. amazing voice yeah. and she's from Texas. Yes. Without, she's like, y'all. And she could say just so like, sultry. she says a lot of bad words and I love that. And, but she, coming from her, they're almost like sacrosanct. Right. Like you're like, oh, look how sweet. Bless her heart. <laughs> okay. So she talks about gold plated grit and gold plated grit is our ability to talk about things after we've already accomplished them. So how easy it is for us just to diminish how hard a situation was when we can just say, oh, guys, I went on this journey. I lost 100 pounds, and this is how I did it. What we do by keeping our story to ourselves is inadvertently protecting ourselves, protecting our ego. We do not want to be vulnerable because the minute you say, I'm on a weight loss journey, all of a sudden you give people the permission to watch you. When you're out eating dinner, when you uh, decide to have a glass of wine. And so gold-plated grit is talking about something in retrospect. And the thing that I encouraged Amy to do, which would come back to haunt me all the way back to today, (laughs) because I said, you got to show up. You don't have to have the solution. You just have to first admit it. And so when you invited me to come do this show, I was just like, oh, no, I'm not past it. I cannot talk about it. And then I thought to myself, oh, good God, woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the advice you give is the advice you need to listen to. Yeah. And so this is me talking through it. And now it's on tape. And I hope that if not next year, then it, even if it takes me 10 years, that I can look at this and say this was the first time that I was very public and open about what the journey looks like from the inside. I, I truly hope so. And I love that you shared it, even though you might be still going through it in different ways. 
And I'm so very glad, Jasmine, that you have come on the show and talked to all of us about it because this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted a conversation around it. And I think that's exactly what we got. Now, I also want to wrap things up with some resources and some tools to help anybody listening right now to find the support that they need. But also, Jasmine, you have something really cool that you actually wrote about this on Instagram. I did. I did. And I was kind of debating whether or not I would bring it up, but I think, you know, we can always edit it out if it doesn't work. <laughs> well, we're not editing it out. <laughs> um, okay. So I think that I want to make sure and stand as a testament that when you ask for help, you actually get it. And when you talk to people, they actually arrive in ways that you don't expect. So this was a post that I wrote on June 9th. And this was shortly after the uh, passing of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. And I just knew that I was in a funk. And I knew that I felt like if I was feeling this way, there were probably other people that were feeling this way. And unbeknownst to me that when I opened myself up, people not only showed up to support and help, they started reaching out and connecting with others, but it also opened the opportunity for Amy to invite me onto the show. So whenever you feel like you are not enough, you are. And whenever you feel like you need help, you can always ask for it. So June 9th. <sighs> okay. He called me when he heard of Kate Spade's passing. My dad said he was just checking in, but we both understood it was more. When the news of Anthony Bourdain's passing broke, JD spoke soothingly into the phone as he drove home and cooed until I stopped crying. At two different times, the most powerful men in my life reached out to ensure that I was okay, that I wasn't burying myself into a dark corner. Depression is something I've battled for years. I used to be ashamed, embarrassed to admit this. Perhaps there's a part of me that still is. But the same way my loved ones reached out, I want to make sure that I do the same. If you're reading this, you're not alone. I'm standing with you, wobbly knees and all. The clouds slowly lift when I meet with my therapist, when I pray, when I ask for help. I encourage you to join me. Today, JD and I spent the afternoon in LA, going to museums, shopping from street vendors, and sweating our way through tikka masala. Self-care, self-love, and self-acceptance are things I'm working on, and I invite you on this journey with me. If you're reading this, reach out to those who might be hurting. If you're hurting, I'm here for you. Perhaps we can pull together and ensure we take care of each other. So my question is, are you in? Much love. Okay, you're going you're gonna to kill me right now. <laughs> that is beautiful. And that's exactly, is exactly who you are. Like you make people feel like they are not alone in this because you join them in the journey. So thank you for sharing that. You're going to mess up the end of my podcast because I got to get it together. <laughs> so with that, I'm so glad Jasmine read that because that's exactly kind of like what this episode is all about. And we want to remind you that there are tools and there are resources out there and you, my sweet, sweet friend, are not alone. And so with that, we've talked about starting the conversation with somebody and and not having that shame and embarrassment stop you from from talking about it because that is hugely therapeutic. And so with that also getting a support system. And if you can have people around you that will build you up and just listen and cry with you and give you what you need in those moments, that is incredibly important. And I love that Jasmine said maybe you don't have that. And if you don't have that, then I want to encourage you to look for a therapist. Get the counseling that you need. I think that was probably the biggest thing that ran through both of our stories was the, the support in the therapy. And also medication. We're not advocating it. We're not judging it. We're not saying it's right or wrong. And we're definitely not giving advice around it. But it is something you might want to explore. It helped me. It didn't help Jasmine as much. So this is just an individual thing. And I think that you should explore that as well. Now, 
also with that, I wanted to let you know that we did a little research and we found this e-counseling website called betterhelp.com. It's a convenient, private, affordable online counseling site, and they have over 2,000 therapists. You do not need insurance or anything to get started. So betterhelp.com, I'll put it in the show notes. And to take a little bit more of a serious note, if you do feel you are in a crisis and you need help immediately, remember that you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-TALK. Or better yet, you can even text them. You can text TALK to 741-741. So you, my friend, are not alone. And Jasmine, I love that we did this together so we didn't have to do it alone. Thank you so very much. for. I love you dearly, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, babe. All right, guys, thanks for being here. I know this was a show that was a little bit different than I typically do, but it's a topic that we need to talk about. I'll be thinking about all of you. I'd love for you to share your thoughts and your feelings. We'll post about it on Instagram and I'll be looking for you in the comments. So don't be shy. All right, guys, have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you same time, same place next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.